Hey guys, welcome to season two of Capsule Production Podcast. We have a very special guest on today. His name is Dr. Allen, and he'll be talking to us about a, a really intense subject. So he'll be um, kind of giving his insight on death, dying, and critical care, and what role a pharmacist uh, can play, and how they can actually help out in that type of um, in that type of setting. And before we start the episode, I uh, just want to give a really big thanks and shout out to Randy and Greg for uh, just kind of taking the responsibility and, you know, taking the reins on this project. Um, you know, I've, Jeff and I have been away on rotations and it's kind of hard to find time, but they've done a wonderful job and they did a really great job on this interview. So appreciate it, guys. Um, without any further ado, we'll get started with the episode. I hope you guys enjoy. All right. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of the Capsule Podcast here on the UF uh, College of Pharmacy Orlando campus. Uh, today's episode I'm very excited for personally. Um, it's a little different than the other ones, um, and I'll get into the theme a little bit. Let me introduce myself. My name is Randy Padram, 3PD here on uh, the Lake Nona campus. And this here, Greg, Greg Celestin here, another 3PD at the University of Florida campus. All right, and we're about to go on rotations, and uh, we're lucky to have um, one of the newest celebrities on campus, if you will. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Uh, Dr. Allen, and um, I'm going to let him introduce himself in a little bit. Uh, today's topic is going to be about critical care pharmacy and um, death and dying. I think uh, a topic that us as students, um, as pharmacy students, don't really get uh, too much exposed to in the current pharmacy cur- curriculum. Definitely. And I know that uh, accreditation bodies are looking to add, add to this um, to give us the exposure. Um, but uh, without further further ado, let me uh, introduce you guys to uh, Mr. Uh, Dr. Allen, if, if you if you don't mind. Hey, uh, so glad to be here, guys. Thanks, um, thanks for the invitation. Um, you know, as, as you mentioned, my background is critical care, and and that's what I've been classically trained as, and and seeing patients um, at their most vulnerable uh, mm-hmm. in terms of being in the ICU and and the being sick and and being a critical care pharmacist um, you know I think it's a big responsibility Absolutely. when you see patients in, in, in their sickest um, state so um, trying to encourage more critical care pharmacists Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all right uh, a little bit a little background uh, for okay. the folks yeah. out there okay. uh, I right. know it, so he's got a lot of uh, letters after his name. <laughs> no, he's, he's being modest right now. <laughs> that just means you're a good test taker. You're a good test taker. Um, no, or, or getting old or some combination <laughs> of, of the two. Um, now, so um, born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, born and raised. Um, okay. Fresh and so, Prince. Yeah, Fresh Prince. Uh, actually, actually uh, same neighborhood. Oh, uh, wow. Look at that. Will Smith. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so so small world, but uh, yeah, West Philadelphia, born and raised, ah. uh, and then uh, after uh, graduating from high school, I just decided to go to pharmacy school. Um, was tired of snow yeah. and cold oh, yeah. weather, so actually went down to Florida A&M, Tallahassee, Florida, um, and they hey go Rattlers. <laughs> Always, I think there there can be love for between Rattlers and, and Gators. Oh right? for sure. <laughs> yeah, so so uh, I'm I'm a Rattler, um, and then uh, from there went on to do residency training, uh, specializing in critical care at Tampa General Hospital. Nice. Um, so know Florida pretty well and. Um, have um, been in academia, but also um, spent some time in pharmacy administration as well, um, just working through a lot of uh, diverse settings. But um, 
classically trained as a critical care pharmacist and, and that's really where my passion lies is, is caring for patients who are uh, need us the most. Mm-hmm. They need uh, pharmacy services the most when you, when you talk about um, they're oftentimes on multiple medications, um, their uh, kinetics are altered and, and there are a lot of things specific to critically ill patients that that, and, and the use of medications that they need the assistance of a trained individual um, that specializes in uh, drug therapy. So I'm going to take a lot of pride in being a part of the team uh, and no place does interdisciplinary edu- education and interdisciplinary care like an ICU. Um, mm-hmm. and, and when you guys go on rotations, you'll see that the critical care pharmacist is a valuable, valuable member of the team. Um, and, and that comes from just uh, bringing uh, bringing something to the team and, and, and uh, being a good team player. So yeah. awesome! Thanks. thanks if thanks. if I'm a little out of it, I'm just in awe. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that said, that was that was real. That was a little ledge right here. Uh, uh, that's that's so. cool. No, thank you, thank you, Doctor. The check Allen is for in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, but no, just thank you for taking the time out to to, to do this for us. Uh, I know I've had a few classes uh, with you, um, you know, heading the, the whether it be the ALS or the lab, and and I've been really really interested to hear what you have to say, and I think you um, project the information well to the students. Definitely. So because I think we'll we don't get it. enough of it in this career. I mean, we have a, a little taste, you know, we have an elective, but it isn't you know incorporated. So um, it's really something uh, we should be um, getting our students prepared for because they will. Um, experience something along the lines of death and dying or some some form yeah and, and if not on rotations at some point in <laughs> yeah. their practice or just life right right so being Absolutely. able to uh, have coping mechanisms um, to, to be able to to function right because you can you know without proper coping mechanisms you can it, it can be rough um, yeah. so uh, even to this day, there's still patients and, mm-hmm. and stories that you're um, that I'm uh, was was privileged to be a part of in terms of the care of the patient where it didn't work out well, and, mm-hmm. and those things still kind of stick with you right. a yeah. little bit. But hopefully, they stick with you and, and make you a better uh, clinician and and a better um, provider of care. Right, so. and because we, we usually don't think about the other side of the spectrum. You know, we think about the patients and the family. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're the mm-hmm. most important, but, you know, coping with it as a, as a pharmacist, as a healthcare professional, it's uh, is something we definitely have to deal with as well. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, when we talk about, you know, what are some of those things that a, a healthcare provider, not just a pharmacist, but yeah. a healthcare mm-hmm. provider can 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 do to, to cope and, and really um, move on is not the right word. What I'll say is uh, be able to recognize that that next patient in the bed deserves the same level of care, the same level of expertise um, as as the one who was in in the bed previously, right? So, um, as a as a critical care pharmacist, death is something that we 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 fight off. We we're we're, we're we're doing all that we can to fight it off, but um, unfortunately there are times where patients' uh, illnesses are too great mm-hmm. and no single drug, no single therapy would change the outcome. Right. And I, so I think the first thing in terms of, of coping is recognizing that that's the case. Realistic right? Realistic expectations. So, so, you, so you said it well there. I think, um, 
you know, as much as we pride ourselves in terms of providing good care to patients um, and, and hopefully providing a good outcome, you mm -hmm. have to realize that that's not in the cards for everybody. Mm -hmm. yeah. So once you recognize that, I think it helps. It never gets, it never gets, it, well, I'll say it never gets to the point where um, you just move on past it. Um, I think it gets to a point where you um, certainly, you know, put in all the effort and, and your team, you know, it's, it's not any single person, it's, it's a team in the ICU. So the team puts forth the effort. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is, there are cases where you recognize that, hey, this is probably not going to end well. Mm -hmm. um, and so you do everything you can um, to prepare the family and, and prepare the, the team around for that uh, unfortunate uh, event. So uh, one, I, I would say, is recognizing that, that it is um, an issue or that um, not everybody's going to make it out the door. And, and um, that's something I had, it took me a long time to get comfortable mm -hmm. with. Right? I can remember oh, sure. the first time I saw... Um, you know, I was on rotations, had a patient um, pass away. And so one of the things that um, our preceptor did, I was, I was with two other students. Um, so we were uh, on rotations in the ICU and the uh, patient uh, head was, was in the process of um, dying. And so one of the things that our preceptor um, did was make sure that um, and the team in general did was make sure we gave the family privacy and made sure that we gave them the space that they needed to, to cope. Because um, at first and foremost, that's the responsibility, right? Is making yeah. sure yeah. that the patient and the, and the family um, are taken care of and have privacy and have all the support that they need mm -hmm. in that time. Um, but as a, as a student, there wasn't much that I could offer the family. Yeah. Um, so one of the things... Um, that um, our preceptor encouraged us was that, um, you know, to not exit, but to make sure that we were, um, uh, that it was okay to, to, to walk away. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it was okay to, um, okay to recognize that our team had done everything that we could do mm -hmm. for that patient. So making sure that um, we could, feel comfortable, you know, just taking a walk and just making sure just to clear our, our heads uh, about the situation. Um, so that was something that was uh, impactful for me um, is, is luckily I had other students to kind of lean on um, as well. But that was um, a tough situation. Uh, but um, we also um, one of the things, you know, our preceptor taught us was it wasn't anything that we could do mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. sometimes patients are are, are are too sick for us to to save but you gotta um uh, do everything you can um, also you, you want to recognize that there's not there's not shame or there's not um there's no harm in being touched by the death of death of a patient sometimes as as healthcare workers um you know tough persona yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know tough guy but um 
just recognizing that it's okay to be touched by mm-hmm. um, the the death of a patient or, or a loved one, uh, a patient's loved one, and, and, and just being comfortable right. with that and, and embrace that. Um, and uh, so I, I would think those those things are things I picked up from preceptors right. along the way. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because um, as pharmacy students, mm-hmm. we've come up. Mm-hmm. With the you know the idea of we're overachievers, where mm-hmm. we want the you know have impeccable mm-hmm. records, and mm-hmm. when it comes to patients, they're the same way. We want to see if we can help them in every way possible, and sometimes we, we can't. So mm-hmm. it's it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow for us if when we have to realize that we can't help everybody, mm-hmm. and sometimes I mean it's it's going to end. Yeah. So, so if like we, I mean, for example, sepsis. Yeah. All right. Patients who, who develop sepsis, depending on timing of antibiotics and things of that sort, um, the mortality rate can range from 10 to 50 percent, depending mm-hmm. on um, how they present. Mm-hmm. So even and that's best case scenario. That's mm-hmm. doing everything that you can. Yeah. There's going to be, unfortunately, um, a subset of patients that unfortunately don't make it. Um, and, you know, as I said, one of the things you 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 can do to cope is recognizing that and 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 um you know to, to your point greg is of of um us being uh overachievers and we always want to get hundreds on test and yeah. i mean that i think they there's a little bit that. of that but um in real life that's not how how life mm-hmm. works mm-hmm. so just being comfortable with that that's right, so an excellent point. I just um, I just wanted to allude. I could I could sense their passion uh, for critical care uh, through your anecdotes there, and um, I just wanted to get a little bit uh, into the background and wanted to see why does critical care appeal to you, and uh, what is the job of the critical care pharmacist when they attend to a patient with a poor prognosis? So you know, for me, um, you know, I. I became introduced to critical care in pharmacy school on rotations, like many of you guys will will encounter uh, mm-hmm. on rotations. And and so um, I caught the bug pretty early. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, um, you guys will, will laugh about this. When I started rotations, my, my whole goal was to be an AM care pharmacist. That was, mm-hmm. my, that was my whole goal. <laughs> my whole goal was to, to go and, and work at a VA um, uh-huh. and and um, rock their world with hypertension and, and hyperlipidemia. Um, and um, critical care called. It uh-huh. was, so it was one of my first rotations was, was my critical care rotation. Mm-hmm. So um, what I enjoyed about it was um, the fast-paced nature of critical care. So um, recognizing that uh, the decisions we make today can have a very real impact on what tomorrow looks yeah. like for the patient. Um, also, uh, instant, instant feedback, yeah, right? Instant yeah, feedback. that instant <laughs> feedback, right? Of, of whether uh, the patient's doing well uh, or not. Um, additionally, I mean, they're complex patients, right? So um, they're patients who, uh, again, as I mentioned, are at their, at their most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, so. For me, that's a big responsibility, right? A patient who's at their most vulnerable and they need us, um, being able to uh, be privileged enough to care for that patient um, and, and offer uh, expertise as it relates to drug therapy is something that that intrigued me. Um, there was a genuine 
need for a critical care pharmacist. Like, uh, in terms of being in the ICU, uh, critical care pharmacists play a huge role in um, everything from optimizing drug therapy, preventing adverse drug events. Um, we talk about uh, parental parenteral and enteral nutrition being involved along those lines, um, assisting patients with um, it, who are in either uh, liver dysfunction or, or have uh, acute kidney injury. I mean, there's such a role for, for pharmacists in critical care. So I felt as though I wasn't limited when I was in the IC. There were, uh, the team always was asking us questions and how can we do this better? And so I, it just was really, um, really the perfect environment for me um, in terms of how do I handle patients with a poor prognosis I would say um, you know one of the things that you have to recognize as a not just critical care pharmacist but critical care practitioner is um, that there are certain things that we can do to try to improve an outcome mm -hmm. right so for instance sepsis as I talked about earlier you know we know that fluids and antibiotics are, are game changers when you start talking about uh, uh, risk or survival or, or not um, so making sure that we do those things mm -hmm. right? right like in terms of um, are we doing everything that we can yeah um, so um, you know those patients you know probably watch a little bit closer uh, mm -hmm. comparatively speaking and and uh, as an ICU pharmacist you know who the sick ones are you know the ones that are really uh, in, in need not all ICU patients are created the same Mm -hmm. Right, so if I see somebody who's on three vasopressors, is on multiple antibiotics, um, and uh, is still not doing well, and they're now in a uh, acute kidney injury or acute kidney failure, mm -hmm. that's somebody I'm probably going to spend a little bit more time and, and focus in terms of reviewing their meds and seeing is there anything that we're missing. Mm -hmm. um, but um, you know, at, at the end of the day. If you have put your best foot forward and done all that you can do, um, you know, you, 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 there were times, you know, you, when, when that happens where, you know, patient doesn't make it, you're, you're like, is there more, more that I could have done? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think if you put your best foot forward in terms of, you know, optimizing drug therapy and, and doing, um, you know, working with the team to, to, to help with that, you know, just sleep well at night. Oh, um, recognizing that you did everything that you could. So that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, um, everybody isn't Dr. Allen. And, uh, <laughs> we, we have a lot of students that uh, kind of shy away from this. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's a common thing on rotations. You know, they're afraid to um, attend the code. They just like the critical and critical care environment as mm -hmm. a whole because of like the grim situations mm -hmm. they might see. Um, so, what do you tell these students that are afraid? You know, how do you um, how do you push themselves? And w would you recommend you know um, students to experience um, something like this at least once? I think. Um so, so I, I'm already biased because I'm a critical <laughs> right. guy, right? So, but w what I'll say is that um, the critical care environment—it it can be a tough environment. I, I, I don't um, right. want to minimize that, but I think it can give you a picture in terms of even if you, um, even if you don't go into critical care mm -hmm. as as your ultimate field uh, within this profession of, of pharmacy. I think it can give you uh, a good perspective on life, and it gives you a good perspective in terms of um, of uh, recognizing that 
okay, I had a bad day today, but there's others that have had worse days. Yeah. And so, so from that perspective, uh, I think it is valuable for uh, students and for um, healthcare providers to, to, to remember that. Um, in terms of the nitty gritty of, of doing the work of being a critical care uh, practitioner and, and how can a student, let's say who's not as interested in critical care, who mm-hmm. happens to draw the short straw and <laughs> get it as one of their rotations, I think you make the best of it in terms of recognizing that um, there are things to be gained from every rotation, mm-hmm. right? So. You know, as a preceptor, one thing I, I used to always do was at the end, at the beginning of the rotation, ask the student, what is your career goal? Like, you know, not necessarily, you know, um, specifics, but, you know, do you want to go into retail? Do you want to go into, um, do you want to go into uh, independent pharmacy? Do you want to go into um, academia if you're crazy? <laughs> but, no. Uh, no, but um, so, so that was something I did to try to help tailor the rotation for the student. So, right. so for instance, I have a student who, uh, in my previous experience, I was uh, privileged to work in a trauma ICU. So I would um, encourage the students, even those who didn't want to be there, to uh, talk to me about, okay, this patient's on these medications. Talk to me about how you would counsel them mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. home. Um, so I, I think a lot of it can be how you go in with a mindset of, you know, glass half full versus glass half empty, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and just trying to identify opportunities in terms of how this might impact um, me in another career. Um, and, and always taking, taking every uh, opportunity. Uh, you, you'll never... For, for a lot of students, that may be the only time they're ever in an ICU mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of mm-hmm. providing providing care. Um, so I think it can be helpful in terms of, again, the perspective standpoint, um, but also um, you, you learn a lot of things in the ICU that can be applicable to other places. Um, um, I was, I'm selfish that if, uh, if you can take care of a critically ill patient, I think you have the ability to, to take care of multiple types of patients. And I won't say all patients. Yeah. There are certainly certainly so, types of patients that I am, so am not know. able to take <laughs> care of. So, um, and uh, will say so uh, w- without any reservation that I'm, there's patients who, who I'm not able to, to take care of. But I think critical care makes you well-rounded. You can um, you ex- see things from an infectious diseases standpoint. You see things from a cardiology standpoint. You see sta- things from uh, an internal medicine standpoint. You see a little bit of diabetes, hypertension, stroke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you you can see a lot of different disease states. Um, so that was uh, that's something I think that would benefit mm-hmm. pharmacy students as well because they may see other disease states than um, or you can see a wide variety. Of disease things. Yeah, and I think it has a lot to do with like uh, you know the margin for error is mm-hmm. like the difference in a critical care setting. Um, if you make a mistake, that can mm-hmm. be the difference between mm-hmm. life and death. Versus mm-hmm. you know in uh, another setting, you might piss somebody really off, <laughs> but yeah, you yeah. won't kill anybody. Exactly. So I think that's uh, that's exactly. what kind of strays people away because yeah. people are afraid to. Well, you know, mess so, up. so but for me as a preceptor, right? Like my job as a critical care preceptor is not to. Um, 
put all the weight on the student's shoulders. Yeah. Right? Like, I, and, and, and I think in any setting, it's not the preceptor's job to put the weight of... Um, we appreciate it. I tell students, um, make mistakes on my license. Don't make mistakes <laughs> on your license. Yeah. And, right. and, and so, so when I say that, you know, certainly I value my license as well. <laughs> sure. So um, I'm not going to let you, to the best of my ability, hurt a patient. Right. Right. So, so that's the time really to um, venture out there mm-hmm. a little bit and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, hypothesize about certain things and 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 just re- recognize that you know it's okay to be wrong every once in a while from mm-hmm. from a, a student perspective um you know one thing i i think um rotations is really helpful for is to recognize that it's okay to have a difference of opinion there's mm-hmm. more than one way to do things right so mm-hmm. um you know i encourage students when we're you know on rotations having a discussion about a patient um you know, if we don't know an answer, and I and I and I ter- totally appreciate it if you don't know the answer, saying you don't know the answer, I, right. I, I appreciate that a hundred percent. But for me, I don't let students off the hook. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I want you to think about it. What is your thought process about? Um, get best guess, right. and then we can work our way through it. Um, but um, I'll say that um, you know that is. Um, something that can be helpful uh, in terms of uh, being in ICU is is it helps also stimulate uh, critical thinking as well because you have to think on the on the fly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's good um, perspective. We, we we talked a lot about perspective and especially in the ICU. The biggest question in the ICU uh, from the perspective standpoint is both families and clinicians is whether this patient will live or die. Mm-hmm. In your experience, anything clinically that you found that will typically suggest a patient will survive or not, or are there any certain vi- vitals, biomarkers, mm-hmm. medications, length of stay, uh, surrogate outcomes, et cetera, et cetera. That's a light yeah. issue. Yeah, so, so I, I tell you, if, if I had that, I would have a money. <laughs> yeah, you have a lot of I would have a lot of money. <laughs> but but what, I, what I'll say is there are there are certain prognostic indicators mm-hmm. that say whether a patient um, is likely to have a poor outcome or not. And so we try to try to alter those things. Um, we try our best to um, um, not do those things that will lead to worse outcomes. Uh, like I talked about with sepsis and making sure we, we give antibiotics yeah, and fluids uh, appropriately and then um, making sure that um, we try to do everything we can to prevent a patient from going into uh, acute kidney injury and, and yeah. things of that sort. But from a, are there certain things that I can look up and say, oh, you're not going to do well. Oh, you're going to do well. Um, you know, there, there, there are some of those, but none that will say whether you're going to going to live or die. Mm-hmm. I think it, you know those those markers can be used to dictate or, or help us to identify prognosis with respect to certain outcomes but um, you know for instance um, in patients with sepsis it, it's known that an elevated lactate level okay. mm-hmm. um, serum lactate level is associated with worse clinical outcomes um, so I can know that I can recognize that mm-hmm. that patient is um, is probably at um, at worst for or 
at higher risk for for an adverse outcome. And I do we do our darndest to make sure that we 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 give fluids, give antibiotics, yeah, yeah. right? So so you so. What I'll say is you use those markers, you use those vital signs and, and you know, somebody with a, a low blood pressure as a way to identify who's in the greatest need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think you use them to say, will this patient, this, will this patient live or will this patient die? Um, so I hope that helps um, a little bit, at least to clarify. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I had a quick follow-up yeah. um, on that. Um, talking to families mm-hmm. about, let's say, a prognosis that's not looking so good yeah. um what are maybe some some tips and things like that any especially us threes going on rotations yeah yeah that um, that's tough that is a tough question um what and that's I'll, why we're here folks yeah. Right? Yeah. Podcast. Yeah. Just ask those tough questions. yeah and 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 see dr allen sweat um, no what, what sweaty right now, yeah. right? so so what i'll say is that um when i'm talking to families recognizing that there's no words there's nothing that you can say that will bring that loved one back um so so recognizing that um but from my experiences uh i think recognizing when to give space mm-hmm. to a okay. to a, a a family member versus just being present cuz sometimes just being present is enough yeah all right and 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 um, so, and, and I, those are two, uh, dichotomous yeah, things yeah, being yeah. present and knowing and when to, yeah. knowing when to, when to exit stage left. But, um, I think you judge that based on, um, your, your, your comfort level with the family. Um, oftentimes, um, and when we talk about the ICU, it's a team, right? Yes. And the person or the, the folks that are, are closest to the family are the nurses. So um, so that's a shout out to critical care nurses. Um, those those <laughs> folks are um, some of the most dedicated, um, smart, most passionate, um, caring people that I've, I've ever been around. And they oftentimes are the ones that are there with the families. And they are there because they, they spend 12 hours a day at the mm-hmm. bedside. Mm-hmm. Right, so they get to know the families really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, as, as a pharmacist, I don't ever feel like I have to be a superhero to go talk to the families about it. But, but I think um, because our nursing colleagues do a heck of a job at that, absolutely. Um, and so I, I, I think recognizing when when to give space versus when to when to perhaps just be be present and, and give a hug or, or anything along those lines i think i, I, I can't give you a do this at this time <laughs> yeah. but no i guidelines think, for yeah this. but there's no guidelines <laughs> for this my friend um but but just recognizing that um being part of the icu team that you don't have to take on that responsibility as a as a whole and um yeah, it, it's it's tough. That's that is definitely a, a tough situation. You guys uh, made me sweat on that. <laughs> That's actually funny. We bring that up. Yeah. Uh, I actually have a story from my hippie. Mm-hmm. Um, one of we were uh, regular yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to from patient room to patient room, and we get to this one room where um, you know prognosis wasn't look t- looking too good. The son was there with the mother, mm-hmm. and we're just trying to get the medications, mm-hmm. you know, and asking them questions. Mm-hmm. 
and he, you know, he, he started breaking down, yeah. you know, because he, he, he's preparing himself for what's, mm-hmm. for what's about mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. And while I'm taking it, I, I, I said those, those dangerous words. Yeah, yeah. I said, I understand. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, and I got, <laughs> he, yeah, he, 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 he chewed me out. Yeah. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, do you understand? Do you really understand yeah. what I'm going through? And yeah. I mean, at that moment, I was like, you know, I don't, I can't, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's weird because it's a natural human, like, Reaction, you know, Correct. to say I understand if someone if my niece gets hurt, mm-hmm. I say, and oh look, I have a cut here yeah. too. Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. It's not gonna hurt that much, mm-hmm. and so that's like a natural human reaction and to try to suppress that, and like you know, give them their space or just try to react as a healthcare professional. Try to separate the human from the healthcare professionals mm-hmm. is a tough thing. Uh, and, and so, so what I'll, what I'll say is that you know, I, you bring up an excellent point. But what I'll say is. I don't think you have to separate the human from the the healthcare worker, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can still be a healthcare worker right. and be compassionate and still want want the best for patients and still um, be caring of patients, right? Like you can oftentimes um, sometimes see in, in in the hospital setting where um, you guys may have seen it uh, during your your hippie rotations and you may see it during your appies where sometimes family members um, or, or healthcare workers may appear unfazed or may appear to be um may appear to be desensitized um, desensitized, right and so so i think that comes from having done it for years and years and and years right where um you can kind of compartmentalize things and so um you know that's something that that certainly comes with time where you're able to to recognize that you know I, i can't you can't live or die with every patient, right? You mm-hmm. will burn out yeah. very quickly um, if you are uh, if uh, the high highs get you uh, excited. For instance, we get a patient uh, um, out of the ICU and, and home. Those are those are wonderful times uh, in an ICU because we, particularly those that have been there for an extended duration of therapy or extended duration. Um, and we all want that. That's 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 great, um, and, and we're excited about it. But um, at the end of the day, you you, you kind of have to learn how to um, not get too high and not get too low. Mm-hmm. Um, that's point. Yeah, that's and, and and just and just um, as much as and I hit it on it a little bit earlier. As much as you know, we ache and we hurt and we um, we are. Or, or upset about the loss of a patient, um, and it's never a good feeling. That next person who rolls into that bed is just as sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, deserves. deserves the same level of expertise because that's somebody's mom, dad, brother, cousin, father, mother, cousin, aunt. That's somebody's loved one. Absolutely. All right. So, so I owe it to to that patient and that family to provide the best level of care. So what I'll say, that I think that's how um, how healthcare workers kind of move past it. So I wouldn't say they're unfazed or they're, they're, they're um, uh, desensitized to it, but I think it's just you, you after doing this for, for a while, you, you realize that for your own sake, you have to be able to, to Maybe be in the present, yeah. being it, be in the present. Right, okay. um, and 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 recognize that not um, 
that you, you, you owe it to the, the next patients that come after to, to provide good care. That's good. That's awesome. Um, so some pharmacists, you know, they take a supporting role in cold situations. Others act like as leaders. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think the pharmacist's role should be in uh, this type of setting? Or at <laughs> least what do you think uh, they should be doing at a, at a bare minimum? <laughs> so, I, so what I'll say, first off, it's going to be dependent to the institution. <laughs> All right. So, mm -hmm. so if, if, if at your institution where you are, pharmacists yes. don't participate in, in codes, mm -hmm. uh, Certainly, I, I, I would try to gain that expertise so that pharmacists could participate, but, but, um, but again, that'll vary from institution to institution. What I'll say is, I think all of the above, mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't think there's um, a, so for instance, you know, I've participated in, in numerous code situations and um, I've done a few different things. It's never, it's, Never where I only did one role, right? Mm -hmm. um, ideally, you're you're the medication expert, so you would be um, preparing the medications, uh, epinephrine or atropine, and, um, or um, or any other drug that you would use uh, during the, the the code situation. You'd be expected to prepare that if it's in the cart, and if it's not in the cart, facilitate it getting get it getting to to the patient. Um, but there have been times where I've had to step in and give chest compressions and mm -hmm. where, um, you know, you're looking at a EKG and, you know, uh, if there's a young re medical resident, for instance, who's who's running the code, um, who's you know, fresh out of med school, sometimes that can be um, that can be challenging for them. Right. So um, as one could imagine. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so um, being able to say, hey, you probably want to use epinephrine here. You probably, <laughs> like being able to provide a little bit of expertise there yeah. um, can be helpful. Um, but what, I, what I'll say is there's, you know, it, it certainly depends on your comfort level and depends on your, your, your skill in that area. But I, I, I feel like um, whatever is needed, right? Like in a code situation, it's all hands on deck. So if, if they needed me to go get a... Um, some tubing to start mm -hmm. a start mm -hmm. a uh, infusion. I went and got it. If it was um, if it was something that w wasn't right in my wheelhouse as a pharmacist, um, you adapt and you you figure out how to how to do it. Uh, you know. So the long and short of it, I think you you know you you know your pharmacist. You know the the medications. That's mm -hmm. your that's your your job. Um, but you know, so if there's one job, that's what you should be doing. Yeah, minimum, right. <laughs> minimum, be the medication expert as it relates to to drugs that are used in code situations. But but um, being asked to jump in and give chest compressions, being asked to to go do something, um, whether get get uh, a bag of saline, get flushes, whatever. Um, I think you do it because it, at the end of the day, it's not about titles or yeah, exactly. who's it's doing what it's about out. like the patient that's in the bed who's in, in asystole and and we're and we're, we're doing our best as a team to try to change that outcome so that's good point. and do you ever um i guess this is a follow-up yeah. uh, do you ever see any any situations like that where titles do get in the way of a code situation yeah i mean i think a lot of it too you know is is so you know, in ACLS, a lot of it is about communication, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And making sure that what is asked for gets done. And when something is asked that is not appropriate, 
then you know somebody be willing to speak up about it. So, for example, um, uh, let's say uh, certain medications are to be done. You know, ACLS recommends you know every three to five minutes for certain medications. Um, if it's been uh, three minutes, if it's been five minutes, and no other med has been ordered, it's not. It's okay for somebody to speak up and say, hey, it's been five minutes. Do we want to give another dose of epi? Do we want to give another dose? So, so I, you know, I, I think as the pharmacist, and so everybody on the team has a role. There's a yep. timekeeper. There's mm-hmm. a, uh, someone who gets the medication. There's a nurse. There's a team lead, obviously. Um, but um, I think the times where titles get in the way is when folks um, are afraid to step up and challenge when things like that need to be said. Um, you ser- certainly say it in a respectful way. You certainly say it in a, a way that is not um, aggressive or, or overbearing, but um, you say it nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, right? <laughs> like at, at the end of the day, um, you know, as a healthcare worker, you would hope can't say that is true everywhere it happens in every situation but everybody's on the same team trying to achieve the same goal so whether I say hey it's been five minutes or it's a nurse or it's a RT or whoever mm-hmm. as long as it's said and is addressed by the by the provider or, or, or whoever mm-hmm. um, I don't care who gets the credit as long as the <laughs> outcome is, is exactly. great so now um I, I'm going to ask uh, you to, because you've had a lot of students that you preceptored before. Yeah. Now, I'm fresh going on to my rotations. Yeah. Um, He's a baby pharmacist. Baby, baby. <laughs> right. uh, and, you know, unfortunately, um, patient that we, were work, that we were working with has passed on. Mm-hmm. What do you remember uh, telling uh, to maybe a previous student to help them cope? What would you tell, let's say me? <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I, I think um, for I think from a a preceptor to student standpoint, um, the preceptor has to be comfortable with a few different things. Preceptor has to recognize that um, this is probably and it may not be true in all cases, but it's probably the first time a, a student has seen this happen. See a patient die. So as a preceptor, I need to recognize that in a in a student um, and make sure that a they're okay from a uh, and and it's okay to to be upset about it, right? Some of those principles we talked about. It's okay to be to be um, um, to recognize the hurt that comes from a patient um, dying, but also um, but also uh, once you recognize that saying it's okay for the student to, to walk away for a minute and just clear their, clear their head and, um, and, and to gather themselves. Um, you know, I've, I've had students where this was their first time um, seeing a patient die and were just devastated, just devastated sure. yeah. um, by, by that scenario. And, and that's where, you know, you, you take them into a, a, a private area and try to, you know, um, it's okay. You try to uh, be there, supportive for the for the uh, student. Um, 
but recognize that it's, it's okay and that there's not in that scenario there wasn't anything that we could have done mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no medication that we could have done no recommendation we could have made that would have changed that outcome all right um so recognizing that and, and putting the student at ease there um also you know I, I think once you highlight and recognize that you know not everybody's going to make it unfortunately as 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 sucky as that is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um unfortunately that's not that that's not in the cards for everybody so once you recognizing that there's no shame in losing patients um there's no um uh less you aren't less of a pharmacist a pharmacy student if that outcome happens um you know recognizing that um and then i think the third thing i think is just making sure that you have an outlet to um, to decompress as it relates to to this, right? So, so you know, I I tell students that are not on rotations that you need to set aside some time for yourself and do other things, right? You can't be right. all book work, all school work, um, um, and, and, and not have an outlet to decompress. So, so you know, I would encourage. Uh, student, if, if that was the case, that um, perhaps that'd be something that, that they they look into if they don't already have something. And it, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. right? I mean, a lot of times you think, well, you know, it needs to be something where, you know, I go out somewhere. Or, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just um, reading a book. Maybe, yeah. It's, yeah. maybe it's just, you know, sitting outside watching the clouds go by. I don't know. Maybe. But, basketball. yeah, <laughs> basketball, whatever, right? It doesn't have to be anything fancy, but I think you need to have an outlet to be able to to deal with that. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, all those things combined will be um, will be helpful. One, one thing I, I, I think that is important is that, um, and that, that students can't, um, lose sight of is that, um, you know, the exit part of it. Because when I, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and it's been well described in the literature, that patients, that interaction, so if a loved one dies, healthcare worker, that interaction from with the, with the patient's family is probably harder on the healthcare worker um, because uh, you, there's a sense that you let them down there's a sense that you, um, we have failed, mm -hmm. um, this, this patient's uh, loved ones. But um, in reality, if, if you've done everything that you can, I think that's kind of how you, how you have to think about it. Um, so, you know, it's recommended that, you know, to, to give a little bit of space if, if, um, to families if you, if you um, start to experience some of that. Yeah. So, I mean, there have been times, you know, I mean, we had patients who died and we um, remember one vividly, trauma ICU, 13-year-old patient, ATV accident in the ICU for, um, in the ICU for months. And then just all of a sudden, gone. And that w that's probably the roughest that I can remember, and I, I, I don't think I'll have another one that affected me that much. Um, but, um, you know, that was, that was the one, we, we were all crying in ICU on that one, that, that was tough. But you recognize 
Um, and the families are so appreciative. Mm-hmm. Um, the family, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we, we talk about certain experiences, but that the, my experience has been, if we're doing everything we can and we're, we're, um, and we're, uh, show empathy to that family that they are appreciative and, um, yeah, they're appreciative of, of, of what we do, but just recognizing that, um, sometimes there may be, it might be easier to step away, um, as opposed to, to engaging, because you, you don't know you yeah, don't know how that so. interaction will go. So, um, yeah. That's, I mean, and, and you kind of alluded to it um, before, um, the kind of macho man approach yeah. that uh, healthcare professionals get. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we're supposed to internalize all of this yeah. and not really uh, vocalize or process what we're going through. So I think it's a really, yeah. um, really good point that we need to... Um, Kind of process it with our preceptors, with our friends, with our family, because we're affected by it just as much as the family. So. Yeah, I mean, and uh, the the challenge the challenge is that you don't want to you don't want to carry that burden. Mm-hmm. All right, so so the challenge you know you obviously want to provide good care to the next patient. Right, mm-hmm. that's that's the, that's the goal, right? Yeah. Um, but you also. Um, it's, it's easier said than done in terms of not carrying that burden. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like almost 10 years ago, and I can still say <laughs> more than that. Yeah. I can tell when you what you. happened, right? So, you know, so the, there's certain stories that stick with you, but at the end of the day, you know, not, again, recognizing that, you know, that outcome was not, um, that wasn't caused by not doing anything and it wasn't caused by doing something incorrectly, right? That was just um, the nature of, of, of the patient's injuries. But um, so, you know, I, I, I can say from in, in that experience that we, we, we did whatever we could, it sucked. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it, but we, and I was okay with, 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 with uh, being vulnerable about it because that's not, um, I don't think that's anything to be uh, afraid of or, or to be um, uh, nervous about, right? Where you can show your emotions. You're, you're with the team. This is the team who, who's doing this. So, you know. Yeah. Everybody's got a lot of, a lot invested. Yeah. You know, I can yeah. only imagine, um, you know, yeah. the outcomes, um, you know, definitely the, 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 the sad outcomes, how, how, how could that can affect and have maybe some residual effects. I agree. I mean, but, but, but what I'll say is also that there are a lot of good outcomes oh, yeah. that yes. come as well, right? So, <laughs> so, you know, in terms of recognizing that, um, you know, not everybody's going to make it, but there are a heck of a lot that do make it. <laughs> good. And, right, and recognizing <laughs> that, that, you know, it's not all death and despair that I say. I don't want to. I don't want to. What want the uh, listeners to leave with that? I, we there are times when it happens, but um, you know, we uh, and you have to learn how to deal with it. But I think we do. We 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 do. Most will get out before uh, before we can do harm to <laughs> most get discharged before. Where we we hurt patients. No, I, I, I kid, of course. Yeah. I kid, of course. Does it does it get easier, you know, over time with experience? Um, I think for, for depending on who you speak to, um, I'll say yes. Um, but I think, um, you know, for some folks, um, you know, being a, I tend to be a glass half full mm-hmm. type of person anyway, right? So. 
Um, I don't, um, I don't, uh, try to let, um, defeats linger too long. You know, I try try to think, move on to the, to the next thing. Um, but, um, with that being said, I think, um, you know, healthcare workers, we do tend to try to, um, compartmentalize and, and, in some aspects that's healthy to get to, to say, I'm going to do my job here um, and I'm going to take care of this patient that's in front of me and be present mm-hmm. um, because this patient needs it. Um, but I think if you internalize it and you don't deal with it and decompress, that's when you'll have have the, have the problem. So I think um, being able to um, have that outlet you know, you, you, you compartmentalize because you're taking care of another patient. But um, you have to know how to let it go and, mm-hmm. and try to find an outlet to to take your mind off, off of some of that stuff. So it's, it's, it's easier said than done. And, mm-hmm. and to the point of does it get easier, I, I think it does but it never completely goes away it never goes away that that um you know uh, you know patient didn't didn't do well and and um yeah it, it, it just it, i hate to say it is what it is and that's not that's not um what what i want uh the the readers to or the listeners to get from it but mm-hmm. but at the end of the day it you can drive yourself crazy if you take home every every um poor outcome mm-hmm. that that happens and you you recognize that that's somebody's loved one and that's somebody's um family member and and, and you be there for that but i think to recognizing that it's not uh, always in the cards can help you get help you um to move past and, and, and move move um, towards taking care of the next patient. So, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, uh, I was death and dying is inevitable, but I think um, one of the points that I'll I, I definitely take away is not letting the highs get too high, and not getting letting the lows get too definitely. low, and not really harping on those two extremes, and just trying yeah. to get that middle ground. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it is tough. It, it is tough, more, yeah. and it takes it takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when you see something enough times, you're like, oh, that's that's old hat. I, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, the first, that's just like human nature, right? Anything, you know, yeah. first time you see something, it's, it's dramatic to you, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully over time, um, you're still not on the, the roller coaster, uh, ride f- with your highs and lows. Hopefully, you, you've evened out a little bit. So uh, we're gonna wrap up here a little bit. Um, oh man, it's been we- fun. <laughs> it's been fun. <laughs> um, but I really want to know how does someone become one of <laughs> the legend, the Doctor Allen? How uh, say like someone wants to become or get into critical care? Um, what are some <laughs> tips you have for our students out there listening to this? Well, so, uh, what, what, what I'll say. <laughs> what, what, now, what I'll say is. Um, you know, so thank you for saying that. I, I appreciate you. Um, I'm just a, I'm just a pharmacist, teacher, pharmacist researcher, trying to <laughs> trying to uh, save patients when it when 
day at a time. Uh, but no, but what, I, what I'll say is just across the career, right? So like in, not just critical care. And, and um, I know your question was specific to critical care, but mm-hmm. I, what I'll say in general, right, is like find good mentorship. Um, find somebody that um, you can learn from. Um, you don't have to, uh, in, when we talk about, uh, you can learn from other people's okay. <laughs> experiences yeah, yeah, yeah. as well, right? Oh, yeah. um, I don't have to, uh, uh, I can see uh, Randy touch the hot stove. Uh, I don't need to touch the hot, hot stove, stove to exactly. recognize that it's hot, right? So I think there is some of that. finding. Fi- so finding good mentorship, I think, is key. Um, I was privileged and, and, and blessed to have um, several mentors. Um, my residency rec- director uh, during my critical care residency, somebody who I've met as a student and continue to this day to be uh, a lifelong uh, friend and somebody who's who gives it to me straight. Uh, and so mentorship would be the, the first thing, I think. Um, and then not, be af- not being afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of times, you know, students can, and, and when you're young in your, your career, you don't want to step out a little bit. And, and um, I think uh, you grow more from your failures. Um, so, uh, you know, don't let every failure, um, you know, defeat you. So, but what, what I think, you know, just recognizing that, that, Failure happens in life, and it's not what you, it's not, you know, um, it's how you respond to that failure that'll that'll make you a stronger person or or not. Um, So, you know, I know you asked about critical care, but, 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 uh, I'll take that. Yeah. So, (laughs) but I think for, for just in general, as, as as growing into being a pharmacist and, and, you know, doing great things, I think that those are a couple of things. and, 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 and pay it forward, right? There's going to be somebody behind you who also um, is, is coming up, uh, you know, if you're doing great things, which I'm sure all of you guys will, um, that'll, that'll come up. So don't be afraid to, to pay it forward as well. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. All right. No, but, well, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it is it is that time. Um, no, Dr. Allen, thank you. Uh, as always, very informative session we've had here. Um, lots of new information to process. I think um, uh, the experience and the stories and, and, and just, again, like that mentorship that you have here on campus, I think is an asset to the building, the college, and to us, your patients, etc. cetera. Um, thank you again for the time. Um, maybe we look forward to doing another episode yeah, with you. There you go. While Thanks we're here, so we're going to pay it forward, right? So right. Jeff and Brandon have the check in the mail. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, no, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you so and hope much. The, uh, the, the audience there, um, I'm, I'm sure you learned a lot um, and can use this information uh, in your practice and as prospective students or in life in general. So thank you again for joining us, you guys. Thank you, Dr. Allen. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Allen. Thank you, Greg. I'm Randy. Um, Thank you for listening to another edition of the Capsule Podcast, you guys. Have a good rest of your day. Well, that's it for another episode of the Capsule Production Podcast. Um, That was a really heavy episode, but a really important one, I think. Uh, So hopefully you guys learned something from that. I would like to thank Randy and Greg and Dr. Allen one more time for doing a fantastic job. Uh, again, I think that was a really great episode. 
And as always, uh, if any listeners have any questions, comments, or if you guys want to hear about some kind of specific subjects, um, just let us know. You can find us on Facebook at Capsule Production Podcast or email us at CapsuleProduction1 at gmail.com. And finally, thank you to Sephiros for providing the music. This song is called Celestial, and you can find it at freestockmusic.com.